On this second Sunday of Easter, the scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, beginning at verse 32. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. I did not grow up in a house with a front porch where family and friends would gather in the evening to tell stories. In my growing up years, we lived in apartments, but I'm old enough to remember all those friends and other relatives who did have front porches where people gathered, sipping on lemonade or maybe something a little stronger, telling stories, gathering with friends. Sociologists over several decades now have documented the move to the backyard. Fire pits and decks surrounded by privacy fences, all to the demise of the front porch. And what sociologists have documented, many have lamented. If you're one of those, if you long for the good old days when folks seem to be closer knit, you're going to love Luke. The writer of the gospel and his second volume of the book of Acts, he had a front porch. Okay, maybe not. But he tells a front porch story. What I mean is that early in the book of Acts, in chapter 2 and here again in chapter 4, he offers a summary and they have the feel of nostalgia. And the reason I say that is because of the very unique verb tense that he uses. I won't bore you with the name, but it, it implies a kind of distance from something that used to be an ongoing pattern. It's almost as if Luke says, taking a sip, you know, I remember when, when the folks who had stuff would help those who were hurting. Or he says, I, I remember when, when people that were poor could count on someone to lend a helping hand. I remember, I remember when Barnabas had some land and he sold it. That's the next story in Acts. Some people remember when milk was delivered to the doorstep, when gasoline cost 25 cents a gallon. If you long for the good old days, Luke longs for them as well, when people were connected. Religion scholar Stephen Prothero says that it's kind of debated as to the background and etymology of the word religion. It could come from two different words. The, the Latin, it could come from one, one of them, he says, is to recollect. It could be a way of remembering, recalling. Luke wants us to recollect, to remember the early community gathered together, taking care of one another. Now, now, the scholars who study these summaries, a lot of them say, yeah, that's probably an exaggeration. You know, not just because Luke's a preacher and preachers exaggerate, but because, come on, not a needy person among them? Come on, not, not one? But other scholars who study him say, well, it's because 
he's not just describing what used to happen. He is, in a sense, prescribing. He is, he's hoping, fingers crossed, that somehow this could be true again. You know, kind of like, I remember when people used to care for one another, hint, hint. And he hopes that it can be true. When I Googled that phrase, and I can't even remember exactly what I put in, something like the demise of the front porch or the move around back, it took me in all kinds of places, including plans for how to build a deck. But there was this one, this one search that I hadn't anticipated, this one find. It was a link to a great old story, Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. I went back and started looking. You know, it's probably best known for its kind of statement on censorship, right? Where firemen don't put out fires. They come with hoses of kerosene and, and they put fire to stacks of books. And that's there. It's the most prominent theme. But there's another plot underneath. Montag, the fireman, becomes friends with Clarice, the, the young girl. And he's having doubts about this way of life. And she starts to tell him, Stuff that her uncle says used to be true. And he, he said, he said homes used to have front porches. And the architects, if you ask them, they'll say, well, yeah, but they, don't, they didn't look so good. But, he's, but the uncle said, no, that, that's not the case. They got rid of them so, well, people couldn't get together and talk. You know, things can happen when people get together and talk. I think Luke and those who came after him totally get that it's about 25 years after the writing of acts that trajan the emperor of rome learned that there was this group of jesus followers who were getting together in the evening to eat their meal and it was across socioeconomic levels and so he outlawed it you you couldn't have that you know a couple weeks ago i noted how part of the roman empire was this kind of economic exploitation and part of that was everybody has a place in the pecking order and you you can't mess with it and so they outlawed it behind this text there's a kind of echo of a classic definition of what it means to be neighbor it comes from aristotle who said neighbors share things in common and they're of one soul but it was among equals you know, one neighbor says to the other, hey, you think we could borrow your jet skis this weekend? Well, sure. You let us go to your lake house a couple months ago. What are neighbors for? You hear it? It's among equals. But Luke's definition is that the friendship in this community will go through all the levels. Everybody will be welcome on God's front porch. Prothero says, yeah, one, one possibility is that religion meant to recollect, and the other one is, and it's the most common, is to reconnect. And you can even hear this one in English. You know the word ligament, connective tissue. It's to relig, to reconnect. I wonder if both are at work here. Luke wants us to recollect how they were connected. But the thing about reading anything in Luke or Acts about possessions is that it is extremely complicated. James Forbes, the great preacher at Riverside, used to say, no one gets into heaven without a reference letter from the poor. And that's a kind of slogan-esque way 
of describing what's called liberation theology, the notion that there is God's preferential treatment for the poor. And Luke would be a poster child for this. When he starts his gospel, he describes this poor young couple who has to scrape together what they can so they can get their boy dedicated. Their names are Mary and Joseph. And when they show up at the temple, their offering kind of gives away. They don't have a lot. And when Jesus grows up and he starts preaching, Luke says, he'll say, blessed are the poor and woe to those who are rich. And it will happen like that over and over again. But Luke sends mixed signals. He writes his gospel and acts funded by a generous benefactor, just as Jesus' ministry was supported by wealthy women. Now, how do you preach against the rich when they're supporting your ministry? And by the end of Acts, there's royalty and people with wealth. They kind of they surface there. I think in some ways, and it is a really hard read, I think in some ways Acts 4 is a kind of middle ground. It's somewhere in between this, this murky kind of extremes there are still rich and poor in the congregation just as there are now but the rich share with the poor and it's not socialism it's social justice they still owned their things but they didn't they didn't cling to them it's like that old cliche it's not about how much you have it's about how much the stuff has you But here's my favorite part of this story, and it is a weird verse. In the middle of this little story, on the front porch, Luke slips in this one verse about how the apostles were preaching with great power about the resurrection. And if you took that out, this story would make perfect sense. It feels like an insertion. But I think Luke wants us to get it, that if last week and his gospel are about the resurrection of Jesus, this is about the resurrection of the community. Hoarding is what the empire does to us, and it's a kind of death. And resurrection brings us back to life. And it is not just to have your heart beating again, you know, to have a pulse. It's to have your heart break for those who are in need. This whole passage, by the way, has behind it a passage from the First Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 15, where it says there was not a needy person among them. And it even says that if you looked around and saw somebody with need, don't let your heart become hard. And even here, they were of one heart and soul. And the reason I started thinking about that is that tomorrow I'm going for a heart scan. That's what I call it. It's technically a coronary calcium scan. friend of ours works out, runs marathons, two weeks ago had a heart attack. So my wife said, we're going to go get one of those scans just to be sure. She said, you get the results pretty much right away. I'm a little bit worried. Not, Not about that heart scan, but this one. This feels like a heart scan. And to be honest, I feel like I used to be more generous. I don't know if it's retirement, you know, inching toward it and that voice in the background of the financial advisor who says, you you better make sure you got enough put away. 
I don't know if that's it. But I thought maybe we could, you know, just have a little heart scan. There, there are two tests that I thought we could run. The first one is about where I grew up. I grew up in Houston, Texas, where we didn't have really much to do with tornadoes. We had hurricanes. And one of the big differences is that tornadoes, you know, they just pop up in the middle of the afternoon. But with hurricanes, you get three days' notice. It might miss you, but if it's coming, you get three days' notice. So everybody heads to the hardware store, and you get plywood to put over your windows, and you get bottled water and some groceries, and the lines at the gas station are a mile long. And I think I care about everybody getting theirs unless supplies are running short. Because if it's between me getting plywood and someone else getting plywood, I'm getting my plywood. How do you do, how do you handle situations when everyone has to fend for themselves, like with a vaccine? That's the first test. The second test, it might be even closer to home. I don't know if you've seen them. There are several around town. The most prominent one is there in Westport, just across from the covered wagon. It's a tent city. 15, 20 tents. You can't ignore it, and that's part of their strategy. And I was reading about it and listening to people talk about it, and I've noticed that everybody has the exact same reaction, sort of. Everybody says when they see it, oh, my God. Except for some people, that's a cry of disgust. Oh, my God, can you believe? And for others, it's prayer. So tomorrow, I'm getting my heart scanned, and today, this text is a heart scan. And we get the results pretty much right away.